Hello and welcome to the Joygasmic Life Podcast, your source for the best ways to be a conscious mom in the world, stay out of that Hulk mom rage mode, and find new conscious solutions for feeding, nutritioning, minding, and being peaceful with your family. Who have taken the most crucial step to get out of that, which is to become aware that it's actually happening. This is your last chance. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Today's guest is Priya Lakani. She is the founder of Awaken Ananda, specializing in supporting women to integrate intuition with their intelligence. After 15 years as a lawyer and professor, she became passionate about guiding others to harness the power within to create potent and powerful lives. She, Priya is a master results coach, a board certified trainer in hypnotherapy and neurolinguistic programming, and has spent years studying ancient spiritual wisdom and the quantum field. She has synergized those lessons into leadership skills that support, accelerate, and empower. With the clarity of a lawyer and the compassion of a healer, Priya is a living bridge between science and spirit, and she's on a mission to empower women with fierce grace to actualize their highest potential. Welcome today's guest, Priya. Okay. Yeah, I'm in Atlanta, um, and oh gosh, just just another day in quarantine. <laughs> mm. Yeah, are are you um, are you inner city somewhere? What's that like? Yeah, I'm in the middle. Yeah, I'm right in the middle of the city here in Atlanta. It's 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 um, interesting. I don't really know what you know. I don't really know what truth is about what's actually happening and what numbers are. They keep saying our numbers are going up and up and up. And I don't know. Mm. I really honestly don't know what to believe anymore. Mm. Um, because you know, there's so much misinformation and then people fighting and lots of, lots of people who think there's, yes, there's a virus, but it's only a big deal because the media has made it a big deal. And then other people who say, oh my gosh, if you don't wear a mask at all times, you're going to die. And then there's people in <laughs> fighting about all of it on the streets of Atlanta. Yeah. So the oh energy is very interesting here. Yeah. Yeah. How about where you are? <laughs> oh, um. I mean, we're near Detroit, but we're in the in the rural area, so we're in a big old house with family members and uh, mm. grass, like big big yard, long old country roads. So we just go for a walk every day, and we haven't. There's sort of a, a caution when venturing into the rest of the world, but the daily daily experience is just like oh, we're in nature, and, and we're really enjoying that. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, my, my, mine is sort of like, uh, my interaction with all of that is we're crossing a border. We want to go to the U uh, from the U.S. to Canada. Uh, my partner's American. So we're in, we're in a, sort of a long, slow process of, of getting that to happen. Right, in, right, right. Writing and all that. Yeah. 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 I have, I have a lot of compassion for people who are in cities right now. It seems kind of overwhelming way out here. And I can only imagine like apartments. I remember living in apartments. It just seems like kind of hellish right now to imagine being in an apartment. Yeah, I live in a big high rise condo and they made it a 
mandatory now that you have to wear masks in all of the common areas. And if you don't, there's like a $50 fine or something. Okay. So they just made that mandatory about two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm curious, like you mentioned that you don't know what's true. How, how are you handling all that? Like, what is it that keeps you, keeps you forward momentum or keeps you stable? How do you, how are you handling that? Well, I think what keeps me in forward momentum and stable is the knowledge that all things are in perfect order, even if they don't make sense to me. Okay. And I have to trust and surrender to that, right? Through my spiritual practice, there's a, I can't believe that the universe is working perfectly when I like it and then assume that it's not working perfectly when I don't like it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, and so I have to just trust and surrender that even if it doesn't make sense to my mind, I know in my heart that everything is in perfect order. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's my answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's a beautiful, it's a beautiful sentiment. And I remember times in my life where I thought I believed that and then something really challenging would show up and I'd be like, no, I don't like this. You know? <laughs> so it's, it's definitely a, a practice, an ongoing practice, you know, as life is. Right. Yeah. yeah, definitely. But I'm in it, but I'm in it and I like it. I love it. It's uh, it's been a time of lots of profound growth and a time of shifting and changing internally. So, you know, I have to adjust know that we're all okay and that I'm okay and that it is part of planetary evolution as much as it is a part of an individual evolution yeah yeah it, it, this this global event affects all of us differently and thus impacts our reality differently causes us to grow in different ways and it's really right really beautiful in some ways to think about how everybody is is growing or coming to face with suffering either way right um, either some, way yeah 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 well I'm excited to talk to you today yeah yeah you know it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a challenging start in terms of topics but it's also you know relevant in the world and and I'm excited to talk with you too. I'm I'm curious about, you know, one of the things that you mentioned in our in our sort of pre pre conversation that we did was uh, trying to check all the boxes and believing that it'll make them happy. And you know, in this current global climate, this current global pandemic type thing, it's like so many of those things of that people were doing to check all the boxes. You know, like big fancy dinners or all the sports activities or whatever that might be so much of that has been removed how are you how are you seeing that impact the people that you're working with how are you seeing them them handle that well you know what i think is interesting is that when individuals, and I, and I used to be one of these people, right? I used to be someone who would constantly be so busy that I would 
BS myself into thinking that I had no time for self-work mm. and self-love and self-nurturing and all of those other things that people kept telling me, you know, would be helpful for me to do. Um, and so um, I think until we come to the realization, first of all, that we are always surrounded by so much and that we're choosing to live life in that way. Um, I think it's really hard to then say, oh, when it goes away, what does that mean for me? If we don't have just the awareness of how we were living in the first place and why we were living mm -hmm. that way, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, the soccer mom doesn't know why she's so overwhelmed and busy being a soccer mom. She just knows you enroll your kids in soccer. That's what you do when they hit four, five, six, seven, however old you want, you know, and, right. and there isn't a lot of, there isn't a lot of, uh, you know, I'm doing this because it aligns with my values. Although that is what's happening just subconsciously. And that value might be, uh, you know, I do what my family did, or I do what the families around me did, or I'm trying to keep up with the Joneses or whatever that might be. Um, that's sort of the value that's driving that. And I think we're all having an opportunity to really, get clearer on what our values are, what is really important to us, what are the activities that, you know, no matter what's going on in the world, we're still making time for. Um, I think that's really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in that, though, in the what do I want is an equally important question, which is what have I created that I do no longer want? Oof. Yes. Yes, for sure. For sure. And, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And, and just knowing in that, that I actually have choice in my creation, that I have created the boxes. I have allowed the boxes. And even though society keeps telling me that these are boxes I need to live in, I have chosen to buy into that programming. And that's hard for a lot of people to wrap their hands around. It was hard for me to wrap my hands around that that not only was I living someone else's dream, but that I had actually voluntarily chosen that because I didn't know better. I didn't have agency in myself. I didn't understand that I had a choice in even deciding if someone else's view of a perfect life was the one I wanted to live. So I think mm -hmm. the realization of all of those things are also part of the process in determining what I want. Because we have to be really careful because sometimes if we don't do that work, then what I want also turns into somebody else's dream telling me what I want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can't, I imagine sort of the, the couple who's gone and bought their first house only to realize that having a house is actually a lot of work and more expensive than they thought. And, you know, all of these other things and sort of going, whose idea was it to get a house anyway? Oh, well, that's the only way to, to have a house is, is to buy one. You know, that's sort of the story or the, uh, you talked in your, in, in the Ignite Female Changemakers book, your chapter talks about sort of how you dealt with this strong voice of family influence um, 
from your like Indian origin family being like, you need to do this, you need to live life this way, you can't do this, you can't do that. Uh, and so many of those things are programs and, and repeated programs that you sort of at some point in your life had said yes to and then later chose to, to let them go. I'd love to hear sort of more in-depth thoughts around how you how you actually went through the process of letting those things go that weren't serving you anymore once you became aware of them. Yeah, th thanks for, I mean, that's a great question. I think, I think the number one for me, <laughs> the choice to let go of a world that was no longer supporting me came by force because mm. my soul was so unhappy. I was so numbed out to life. I was exhausted. I was really, really angry all the time, even though mm. I was pretending on the outside that I wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, and I lived in a constant state of victim. And then this is me as like an accomplished criminal defense lawyer, right? I had, I had gone to law school. I was working with clients on death row in Atlanta, Georgia. I mean, I was in court almost every day. I got paid to argue and fight for people for a living, right? To bring, to bring hope to other people, to, to allow the justice system to work fairly. And what I was doing, I recognized this later on in my journey, was I had never fought for myself, my own hope, mm. or my own dreams. And so here I was doing that for a living for some, but for other people with such like, you know, passion and zest for their life, that it never struck me that I had this, I didn't have the same passion or zest for my own life. And why didn't I? Mm. And I think, yeah, right. And does that, and so I think ignoring that question for so long and just going deeper and deeper into the mentality that we're taught, which is life is hard. Mm. You have a roof over your head and a, and a job and food on your table. What do you have to really complain about? or the mentality of you are doing, you know, good work as a lawyer and you are supporting yourself and you're sitting on your own two feet. So you should just be happy that you have your basic requirements met. Mm. But there's so much programming, even, even questioning <laughs> our lives. And so then with that programming, in addition to my cultural programming, which was very much like you, go to school, you get a job, you get married, you have kids, and you smile, and you live happily ever after. <laughs> and, that's, and that's just the way life is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's mm -hmm. it. And maybe, and maybe when you're 70, maybe you'll retire and you'll have some money in your retirement savings account, and maybe then you can go on that dream trip around the world. Mm. Mm -hmm. We're just fed all of this stuff. So I think for so many years, I ignored what were the little nudges in my soul, in my heart, in my mind that was asking me to question whether I was really happy or was I just mm. pretending or why am I doing all of the stuff that I don't want to do and why am I 
drinking too much and eating terrible food and not exercising enough? Why am I making these choices that I thought I was making just because that's what everyone else says you do? You know, you, when you're young and you graduate from school and you have your first job, like that's what everyone around me was doing. We were drinking too much and eating too much and working too much. And it was like a work hard, play hard mentality. And mm-hmm. I got into my 30s, right? And people were like, oh, well, you have money and you've got to get a condo and now you should get married and now you should have kids. Those are the only two things I actually didn't do was get married and have kids. But everything mm-hmm. else you're supposed to do in your 30s, I did. Um, so I think that the first thing was just ignoring the voices that kept coming to ask me to even question what was going on mm-hmm. in my own life and what choices I made. And I think what ended up happening for me as it does for a lot of people is that when we ignore that voice for so long, the universe, because it really wants us to succeed, right? The universe yeah. always wants us to flourish just like it wants nature to flourish, sends us more and more warning signs that get bigger and bigger and louder and louder. And that's sure. what happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened to you. It's what happened to me. It's what happened to what happens to a lot of people on their spiritual wake up journeys, which is just, I haven't been paying attention to my soul. And now I don't have a choice because either my body's given out or my mind is given out or my physical situation has radically changed and it's requiring change. And I think, you know, tying it back to where we started is like, that's what's happening in the world right now. How many people hated their jobs and now are like, oh, I don't have a job to go to. And, and being, you know, what a, what a beautiful gift if you can be in the relaxation of like, oh, I got what I wanted. Um, but maybe not quite the way that you asked, you know, a lot of people. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> totally. I'm, I'm curious about this, you know, this, under, you had mentioned this rule-based metric of success versus a resonance-based one. Can you share, share more with me about like, what, what is a rule-based success versus resonance-based success? Well, I think for me, it's part of how we, we have our masculine and feminine energies, mm. how we have our, our doing versus our being. And so I think the, one of the biggest shifts for me was understanding that my metrics of success, of how I wanted to view life and whether I was successful and happy and content, had to shift from achievement to feeling. Mm. So by like the rule-based, I mean like we're just taught like so many rules. Like you'll be happy when this happens. You're successful when you have this much money in the bank. You're successful Mm -hmm. if you have this kind of car or this kind of house or this kind of family pictures on Instagram or whatever it is, right? We're just taught all of these rules of how we're supposed to decide if we're successful. And only if we decide that we're successful, then can we say we're happy. Mm. At least in the US, right? At least in the US. It's a very like Western mentality. And so what I really decided was that that's not working for me. I want to go on a resonance-based success model. So what resonates with me? What feels good? What feels healthy? What feels like an active choice that I'm making in my life versus a blueprint 
that someone else has decided is the way life should look. And I think that has a lot to do with stepping for me more into my feminine energy of flow and of acceptance of change and Mm. of active creation. Like I get to create every moment how I actually want to live and respond and choose and love and be. And so that's what it means to me is is just really redefining what I would consider, hey, was today a good day? What was my metric of success for today or for this moment or for this event or for this dinner party or whatever I was, you know, trying to be perfect at? Mm -hmm. Can I change how I view whether that thing is successful, which ultimately means how my life is successful? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that, that brings up a memory from just this last week in, in my life, which is, uh, um, I was, I was serving dinner to, to the family and I had, I was really enjoying cooking and I'd really spent time making something really beautiful. And I'd even gone out to the garden and picked some marigolds and I was putting them on the plates so that the plates were extra, extra pretty. I was like, I don't do that very often, but, but there was part of me that was being driven by like, I will create the most beautiful plate, you know, and I will serve it like we are in a restaurant. And it was like, I was kind of playing with myself, but also like partially really attached to it. And uh, sometimes we do play what we call the restaurant game where my son, who's nine, will help serve the food. And so I had all the food ready. I was so pleased with myself. And, and I went, hey, Alex, like, I need, I need waiter, waiter Alex to the kitchen right away. And he go, looks at me like, yeah, freaking right, mom. Like, what are you going to get me to do now? <laughs> like, you know, like, like, no way am I falling for that trick. That's totally a trick. You know, whereas I was just over brimming with excitement and really wanted to like present the food in a really beautiful way. And, you know, if I had been operating from a rule-based metric of success, where it was like, my kid does what I say, say, say he'll, he'll do, and the food will be served in such and such a way, and all of these things, like, sort of that, that picture that I had for what success in that moment would look like, I would have maybe forced, or coerced, or guilt-tripped, or something, him, into filling that role for me, and instead I went, hmm, what's more important, that he does it exactly the way that I want, or that I feel good about like actually the food arriving on the table, you know? And so even though I'd made a big sort of hullabaloo about waiter Alex, I was like, oh, I guess waiter Alex isn't showing up today. Who's hungry? (laughs) You know, and I just brought all the food out onto the table and the plates were really beautiful. It didn't necessarily come with that, that big sort of restaurant flair that I was hoping for. Um, Yeah. Because I was just like, I'm just going to let it go because it was so much more important to me that my residence frequency was just joyful and happy and excited to offer this and that it's like beautiful, but also simple at the same time. And, and I I love that. I think, I just think that's a, a good sort of really in the moment example of how letting go of those rules of how we're supposed to be that have been given to us by somebody else to move into what actually makes me feel good in the moment creates the opportunity to continue enjoying the moment, really. Yeah, I love that story. That's like a, such a great, a great example. And, and the thing is, is it's so easy to do if you're just aware of how we've been operating, right? Yeah. I think that's the thing is, is like I have a lot of clients currently who 
we're really trying to get out of, or doing our best, right, to get out of the programming that changing our life has to be hard. Mm. It has to be effort-filled. It has to be painful. And it's so overwhelming that I don't even know where to start. And that's never going to work for me anyways, or I'm too set in my ways, or whatever those, those responses are that we give when we're actually just coming from a place of fear, right? When we're just scared and we don't know if it's actually going to work. And because there's a real lack of self-belief that we've had for a long time. But what you just gave was like just such a beautiful example of if you just pick up this one little point from our conversation, how you can apply it immediately in your life mm -hmm. and have a beautiful experience with your family and change the programming that you just gave to your son, right? About what life has to look like. Mm -hmm. Like in that moment, you change the entire energy of how just by understanding and pausing for a minute, okay, I have a choice on how to respond to this, and I'm going mm -hmm. to choose to respond this way. I just love that example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and we can utilize that really anywhere in any situation in life. You know, it's like get bad news, take a pause, take a deep breath like see how this might be good news or just let go of the need to figure out why it's happening in that moment and just be like, well, how does, how does my body feel in this moment? Uh, I'm really curious about your perception. You mentioned feminine energy earlier and stepping into that and your journey with that. I would love it if you would share more about what that journey of stepping into the feminine energy was for you and, and what it feels like, you know, when you're in it and, and you're, you're rolling in it in a good way. Mm, yeah, I'll tell you till today, it's a day-to-day -day practice for me <laughs> because for so many years, I mean, since my inception till about maybe four or five years ago, I lived probably 80% of my life in a very masculine energy of doing, of achieving, of um perfection of like life like rules like life has to be this way there was a structure there was a protocol um partly because of my family and the way we just operated as a family unit and partly because um i never knew how to process my feelings mm. i didn't know what feelings were i didn't know what emotion was i didn't feel really any sort of self-love right and so when you're in that space for me it's so much easier to be in the masculine energy of just mm -hmm. one plus one equals two and that's all that matters and you're going to do your to-do list today and you're going to go do all of your tasks today and then you're going to repeat that tomorrow and you're just, which is, there's such a great place for that structure, right? I'm not knocking that structure. That structure is probably how I get anything done in my life. Um, however, that left no space for what do I want? How do I want to feel? Mm -hmm. How can I be softer about my day? How can I demand less of me? How can I cultivate an action of self-nurturing and self-care? So I have to tell you like that, literally takes practice for me on a daily basis still maybe not as much practice but still some practice um 
And the way that I really did that was the recognition, again, first was the recognition that I was living in what felt like a ticking time bomb Mm. of just doing and doing and stressed out and there was no time and I was trying to be all things to all people and no boundaries Mm -hmm. and I just was like well I'm a I'm a strong person I'm a strong woman and everything that people want from me I will do for them and everything that needs to get done for my job I will do and everything that needs to get done in my house I will do and I will just do it and that's just Mm -hmm. it (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it was such a disaster it was just a disaster for me waiting to happen because my adrenals were shot (laughs) Mm -hmm. um right physically my mental stamina was over hyper stress and I thought in my doing I was being present for people and now Mm. I recognize that what actually my friends and my family really wanted was just to spend quality time with me Mm. not just all the quantity of oh I did this and I did this and I went to the store for you because I thought you'd want this and I you know just always people pleasing because I thought that's what I needed to do to feel love um, mm. yeah you know, and so I think the feminine for me is the active practice of self-nurturance of slowing down so for example now I don't do really anything before 11 o'clock I don't, I have the luxury of working for myself now and I've, and I've created that luxury. I mean, I've really created that. I've worked hard to get to a place where I can own my own business. And so one of the perks of that is I get to decide, I don't want to see a client until 11 o'clock in the morning. And so Uh between the time I wake up and between 11 o'clock is like my time to exercise, my time to cook nourishing food for me, my time to meditate, my time to you know, write a letter to my mom if that's what feels right or, or make a personal phone call or whatever it is to ease into the day where I get to truly be in an act of what I would call radical self-love. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, I also practice, like I never book calls before 11. In fact, usually more like afternoon and and I've yeah. just found that that creates so much more relaxation in my days, so much more peacefulness. Um, so I, I really understand that. And I love, I love that phrase, radical self-love. What else falls into your radical self-love practice? Um, a really active, active self-reflection practice. So... <clears throat> understanding if something feels off bringing awareness to any feelings of sadness aggression frustration or over happiness or over joy like what 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 is going to take me off of sort of the neutral balanced past of harmony and contentment so mm. bringing a real active practice to acknowledging my feelings mm-hmm. because i really like i said had to train myself how to do that because I was just not very uh, comfortable in the space of feeling. So, and what Mm -hmm. that means is without judgment, um, for me, it's really important to, to get to the root cause of my healing. I'm in a constant state of wanting to purify my heart 
where I hold mm. a lot of pain for a variety of reasons, right? Because I really want to, I truly want to live in the world from a place that's heart-centered and, mm. and full of love energy. So for me, when an emotion or a feeling comes up, it's, it's to me that my body and mind and heart's way of saying, hey, pay attention to this pain. Pay attention to what this is here to teach you. Pay attention to why you're reacting in this way. Pay attention to maybe what's unresolved in your inner child or unresolved in that conversation you had with your partner or what's unresolved with something, right? So I think what else is in that radical self-love bucket is truly creating a space of active listening to my feelings and then integrating those lessons into my life because I'm really, really good at BSing myself into thinking I've already figured something out. <laughs> I'm really good. Give me an example of that. Give me an example of that. BSing yourself into thinking you figured it out. Tell me more about that. Well, like, you know, so I, so I have a friend, I have a friend that, and, and she and I have been um, talking about our friendship and how it's evolving and shifting and changing. And um, I had a call with her the other day and, you know, she said something and I didn't think anything of it at the time. And then I got off the phone and I was thinking about the call and something about what she said had struck a chord in me and it made me feel a certain kind of way. So I had to pause and say, okay, what, what am I feeling? And I realized, oh, I was feeling disappointment. I was feeling disappointment. Mm -hmm. I had to then mm -hmm. say, okay, what, what is the disappointment? And my initial reaction was like, well, it's okay. Don't be disappointed. Like it's, you're, you're just overreacting or, or she didn't mm. mean to say that or, or that didn't mean anything or all of those things that we say. And then I, my second reaction was to go, well, you're a different person now. And so you don't have to um, take things so personally. So I went into like almost a self lecture mode <laughs> Uh -huh. And then finally, I was like, okay, stop. Let me just quit BSing myself. Let me just talk about why I feel what I'm feeling. All right, let me just pause long enough to say, okay, what is the disappointment? And of course, as it normally does, it had nothing to do with her. It had to do with some unresolved inner child work around abandonment that I, you know, I deal with, of, you know, often enough, I was like, ah here's another lesson from the universe. Okay. So this is my issue. This is how this showed up. And then within, you know, 15, 20 minutes, I'd cleared it and I'd moved on. And now there's absolutely no resentment uh, with my friend and there's absolutely no resentment for, for my healing process. Whereas before, I think it's really good for me to just, it was really easy for me to just oh, I don't need to deal with that, or I've already dealt mm. with that, or I already understand that issue, don't worry about it, or, you know, any of the oh things we say oh when we don't want to look at ourselves sometimes. Yeah, 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 I, I know that that feeling, there's a, a sense, I encountered that around some of the ancestral, sort of the inherited ancestral stuff, um, and I would, you know, I'd, I'd have a moment that triggered me, and I would go, oh, that's just my, that's because of my grandma, you know, the stories I have about my grandma caused me to feel this in this moment. And, and it really is a, 
it's a fairly effective way of like flushing all of that to the side and just going, it's over there with them and it doesn't affect me, which is a very, I need to get shit done, masculine sort of oriented approach to it rather than what I find to be infinitely more effective, which is sort of acknowledging the part of myself that goes, oh yes, I can, I get, of course, I already understand why this is happening. You know, this sort of like wise guru that's got a lot of attitude and a lot of ego too. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) and, and, And instead of listening to that, Instead of stopping there, really going, okay, yes, and it caused me a sensation in my physiological human body, and can I just give that sensation a really good experience of being here with me right now? I've, I noticed I was feeling judgment, or I was feeling abandoned, or, or upset for whatever reason. How can I just allow that experience to be here and be with me, and then move out of the field naturally of its own accord? as I, you know, as I just give it room to be and not tell it, oh, I know why you're here, or I know what you want, or I know what you need. It's like, actually, like, like being curious about it. And then, like you said, it's like, once you have that sort of little gem of, oh, I'm feeling abandoned because I actually really wanted this, and I was hope, and what actually happened was something else. And you know, it makes sense that I was abandoned in that situation, but now I know that what I really wanted was this, so I can ask for that in that relationship. I can ask for that in that space. If that relationship can't provide that thing, I can go look for some other place where that need can be met, but now I have an awareness of a need or a desire that I had before that I wasn't aware of before I had this uncomfortable situation that brought that up in me. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And I think right what and and what I love though is for me what's really important is that if I take make it an active, radical self-care practice, then that whole process that you and I just talked about individually can be done in ten or fifteen minutes. Right? Yeah. Versus if I if I ignore it and I repress it and I suppress it and then I resuppress it some more, then one day it's gonna come out one way or another. It's gonna come out in some big blow up, right? And then it's gonna take maybe a month with my therapist or my coach or my counselor, my right, whoever I work with or in yeah. my own mind to retrieve it versus and then I'm gonna be carrying that energy with me that whole time of that, you know, not feeling resolved. Instead, if I just say this is part of my feminine practice, this is part of my self-love practice, this is part of my, my commitment to myself, mm-hmm. then literally 15 or 20 minutes, I can, not everything, but most things, really most things mm-hmm. can be resolved with just my active presence in the process versus mm-hmm. what, like I said, what I'm so good at and used to be so good at, which was there's no time for active presence in any process because I'm too busy for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I totally agree with you. You know, being in a place where really that daily practice, you know, sitting and doing eye gazing and breath work with yourself in a mirror, I'm like, good luck. If you haven't done it in a month, good luck not crying. If you do it for 10 minutes, like there will be something that will cause tears to come up or anger to come up or whatever, whatever emotion it might be, um, you know, sitting to do that practice. So in some ways it almost goes, okay, you know, anything that might come up today or anything that might come up in the future, 
let's just sit down and actively proactively deal with it now and then it doesn't have to come up later uh i do <laughs> like sort of side note but like i do this before uh entering into intimacy because i would find that you know the vulnerability and the openness of intimacy would often cause me to move into these crying sobbing sad places uh as my body sort of physiologically moves through the some of the, the the traumas and and pain states that have anchored into the hip area and i was like i i noticed that it was night and day when i started to sit with myself ahead of time i go okay we're gonna be in intimacy mm. soon i'm gonna pause i'm gonna spend 10 15 minutes with myself beforehand just doing some breathing and really presence myself because i don't really need that with my partner i don't i don't need it's beautiful to know that i can be held that way but that's not really what i'm showing up to intimacy for to be to be sobbing a sobbing mess you know right. it's like that, that's not why i'm there right. <laughs> if, I, right. if i haven't done that work it'll show up there you know so right i love that i love that um that practice, that practice yeah. of showing up, right? And that, but that's also radical self-love or radical self-care, right? It's the knowing what you need, taking yeah. the time to figure out what you need, and then giving it to yourself, like truly giving it to yourself. Yeah. 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 So I'm just curious if people are, you know, listening to this and they feel, okay, well, that sounds good. And I get why that I might want to do that but they have no experience of what that might look like in a practice. What, what's a really simple, do you have like a beginner thing that you might suggest to people to try? I think pausing, <laughs> literally pausing, just pausing for a minute before, right? They say there's, a, and it's, I think it's Victor Frankl who says the quote, like it's, or maybe I'm mistaken, but basically between a stimulus and a response, there is a pause. And in that pause lies your freedom. Hmm. So between, right, something that happened to you or happening to you or happening around you, and before you respond, there is a slight pause. And if we take the moment to pause, then our freedom potentially can look entirely different than if we just remain on autopilot and respond like we've always done to the thing that we think always happens to us. And it is a beautiful beautiful practice so even if i'm in my head right and i'm let's say i'm on my way to the grocery store and um there's traffic let's just say and my common reaction to traffic is like oh my god i can't believe there's traffic i'm running so late this is terrible why am i always running late why is there always traffic why is there this like even in that scenario can i pause and may i give myself the opportunity to respond differently you may decide by choice you know what i'm not going to respond differently today i'm in a rush i'm angry i'm pissed i'm really unhappy about the traffic that's cool too but what i'm mm -hmm. saying is at least make it an empowered choice <laughs> 
Mm -hmm. versus a choice that is on autopilot. Mm -hmm. That would be oh my, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love it. That's a, it's an incredible tool. It reminds me of um, some of the, the past winters, a couple of years back, I did two winters in Calgary and Canada's not known for its great winters exactly. Um, <laughs> so so it, we were, it was dark and it was cold and there's not much sunshine for several months at this point. And it was just sort of realizing like, I don't feel good. I don't want to feel good. And I, you know, there's sort of this like awake, awakened part of me that goes, you don't have to feel that way if you don't want to, if you can see it, you don't have to choose it, you know, and, and the response to that is like, fuck you, I want to be grumpy, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and how, and how even that is an, a, a beautiful response, because you've consciously chosen that rather than on autopilot moving into, you know, response and, and sadness in this case it's just like no like that's what i'm choosing and i'm gonna i'm gonna roll with it as long as i'm there and then when i'm done rolling with it i'll go do something you know I'll, I'll move back to that awareness place and be like oh okay wasn't that beautiful i can see you and your feeling and how sweet yeah good good, good little human yeah. feeling you know <laughs> it's okay again yeah, and, and that's absolutely that brings, and that brings freedom in our in our inner world, you know, to to have the ability to say, oh, I want to feel that right now. I'm going to let myself feel that right now. Or I'm not, I don't want to, you know, I can feel that that's there, but right now is not a great time or later will be a better time. Or maybe right now is a good time and I'll just take, you know, go sit in my room for a bit, give a big howl and let it all out, whatever that might be. Um, yeah, there's, there's so much. And, and I feel like the awareness that you have a choice is already like a massive step forward in terms of conscious evolution, like just realizing that we have a choice. So, so huge. And a lot of people don't give themselves credit for the fact that they notice. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I know what it feels, I mean, what it feels like to feel like you don't, right? Like, I know that the potential responses to feeling like a choice could be, well, I don't have a choice because my three kids are screaming in the background. What choice do I have then? Or I don't have a choice because I have to go to this job that I don't like because if I don't go to this job that I don't like, then my bills aren't going to get paid, right? There's so many ways we can talk ourselves out of believing we have choice. And I understand that. I used to do that. Mm -hmm. I used to be like, you can't tell me I have choice. You don't understand my life. I don't feel like I have any choice in anything, right? Mm -hmm. but that's actually not it. Like, yes, you don't have a choice about the three screaming kids in the background, in the back seat, but we do have the choice in that moment about whether we're going to get stressed out about that, whether we're going to go into, you know, self-judgment around that whether we're going to go into rage about that that's yeah, where the choice lies. yeah right whatever that is i understand that we've got bills to pay and most of us have jobs we potentially like and i understand there's so many things external to us that we feel are out of our control and for some of us, that's I like you're they're right. There's there are some things that are out of that control at the moment, but I can respond on the inside how I want to live no matter what is going on on the outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, oh gosh, you've got also all all your little blurbs. I'm like, oh, I've got a story for that. Oh, I got a story for that. <laughs> uh, uh, but it, it reminds me of a when I when I first started practicing joygasm. Uh, there was this beautiful moment where I was waiting in line to file paperwork, and I, I'm not a paperwork gal. It's not usually, you know, you had you have a background in law. I was not that was not something that interested me or that I was yeah. excited about, you know, and that that kind of paperwork or inter, interfacing with like large systems like that. But there I was, you know, registering a vehicle or. I can't remember what it was exactly, but I do remember being in like the registry lineup and there's a huge line of people and sort of sitting there waiting. And I decided, well, I'll be here waiting for some period of time. So I might as well practice being blissful in my body. Why not? Yeah. Let's just give it a shot, you know? And so I spent 20 some minutes that I was standing there in line instead of you know, wallowing in something between like boredom or frustration, I actively consciously was choosing to, you know, to, to breathe deeply, to observe my surroundings, to like pump my Kegel muscles, to, to explore what, what was, what is bliss in this moment? What is this moment if I'm thoroughly and completely enjoying it? And I had an incredible wait in line. I had at least one or two people ask me like, what are you so happy about? <laughs> you know, because I had this big, big grin on my face standing in line. They're like, are you, you know, wh why are you so happy? And it was really partially because of the sensation in the body, but a huge chunk of it was also just knowing that I had consciously chosen something that was so radically different than what the unconscious self would have chosen in that moment. So instead of being frustrated for being in line, feeling incredibly alive at the opportunity to stand in a human body in that moment, waiting in line. And that's yeah. the kind of choice that you're talking about when you talk about like the three kids, it's like, oh, those, you know, I have three kids. How beautiful, how, how blessed am I? Yes, they're yelling, but like if, if mom can turn, towards that set that inner center of unconditional complete love for that moment that is our highest connection with you know with our highest self and we can bring that through instead of our human frustration or the ancestral patterning of mom or grandma being like shut up kids i don't want to hear another word you know whatever that is for their family um there's there's this beautiful awareness of like ah i'm choosing something different and for me at least the the choosing something different from the the norm has immense joy <laughs> immense joy mm. for me in it. mm -hmm. yeah 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 great share great story you do have a lot of good stories <laughs> yeah it, it, it's because of the choice though it's like it's because of the choice that it feels good it's because there's an option of staying in that stuck in that box or you know really choosing something that makes you happy in that moment right Right. And I, you know, I'm not going to do it a hundred percent of the time. I no, may not no even way. do it 50% of the time in the beginning. I, yeah. I mean, to me, if I could, my goal in the beginning of my evolution in the beginning of really making this commitment to myself that I wanted my life to change, because by the way, I made that commitment so many times and never followed through. <laughs> like there, there was a time, right. There was, there was a time, like I, like I said, when I hit really rock bottom where I was like, okay, again, I kept, I, I had BS myself into thinking I was making changes, right? And again, I, I'm just really good at this BSing myself because 
I don't like to be wrong, right? I don't, I, I was, I don't want to show weakness to anyone. I don't want to say that I have work to do, but there came a time when I realized that I had been doing some work, but not really real work on myself. And then mm. when I made that commitment to myself, like, no, like enough is really enough. I'm really tired of my own BS. Like I'm really tired of it. Then I said, okay, even if I see 1% change in myself on a weekly basis, whatever that looks like, so maybe that's just one conversation that turns out differently or one reaction that's different or one new awareness that comes into my heart, my mind about something that needs you know, my attention. But even if just one little thing then I know that so many small steps can lead to a big change. So I just want to also remind whoever is, you know, maybe listening to this, that one pause in one conversation once a week is a start. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's big progress. If you're doing less than that before you start, you know, that's, that's huge. And, and, yeah, you t- you talked a little bit about massive steps forward towards our evolution or ascension. When we're in the very beginning, one conversation, one pause in one conversation once a week is a massive step forward. And then as we gain yep. more and more proficiency with that, you know, and I'd like I liken it to learning how to walk as a small child. It's like we're gonna get up, we're gonna stand. We're going to fall down. We're going to bump our butts. We might cry. We're going to try and stand up again. You know, and it's, a, it's an ongoing process of learning, of trying and failing, trying and judging, trying and self-judging, trying and, and not really fully committing. Like you'd said, you know, there are things that really do move us forward in a really big way. And I'm, I'm curious about, you know, in your experience, if we think about like massive steps forward, you mentioned obviously really, really committing to your, your personal radical self-love practice. But are, tell me more about that in terms of like how that impacted your, your life and what came out of that. What came out of that is the complete knowing that no matter what happens in my life, I will be okay. Mm. And you and I, and I simply cannot put into words what that feels like. (laughs) I also shifted a lot of things. I left the law. Um, which was, you know, a, a, a not a not a decision that was a easy to make and or very. Um, I really delved deep into trainings and certifications around healing because it was very clear to me that through my own healing process that part of why I had to go through it to the depths that I had to go through was because very much part of my life's mission is to help support other women who are in similar positions. Mm-hmm. And so I made another active 
commitments myself to learn as much as I could around the mind, body, brain, spirit, energy, beings that we are. So another way my life took a change was I really committed to not just learning, but then through the learning, applying that to myself. Um, mm. And what's and really shifted. Yeah, of I, course. I just want to pause you there and, and just like, if, if people didn't quite hear that, the difference between doing the learning for the sake of the learning versus applying that learning to self, I can't, un I can't undersay how important that decision is to decide to apply what you've learned actively and ongoingly in your life, especially when it comes to spiritual awakening, when it comes to spiritual progress or, or healing or yeah. whatever sort of modality or, or practitioner type thing that we're learning. Super, super important. I interrupted you. So there was a third thing that you wanted to share. No, thank you for sharing that with the integration of the learning, right? Because I mm. think there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Mm. Knowledge is the thing that I, I learned, but the wisdom comes uh, when I apply that to myself, when I integrate that into my life, when I play in that zone of new learning and really allow it to infiltrate whatever's left in me that requires that healing or modality. Um, so I think the wisdom has been really important to me. And, that's, and that is actually the reason that I have the feeling that everything is going to be okay. It's mm. the wisdom within me through my learnings, through my readings of books and working with coaches and healers and going to classes myself, right? It's that wisdom of, I have every tool I need inside of me and I have a mm -hmm. deep trust and surrender in my life now. And when you have those two things, which is a faith and a trust and a surrender and a wisdom, or those four things, it, life just takes on an entirely new level of joy. A joy mm. that I didn't even know was possible because mm. there had been no one in my life that had modeled that for me. Mm -hmm. You weren't living with Buddha. <laughs> no, a, you weren't living wasn't with the Buddha, right? <laughs> no, no. And again, right? Our parents do the best they can with the resources they have. Mm -hmm. They do. They always do. Our parents and the people and our caregivers are always doing, I think, in my opinion, the best they can with the resources they had. They would have done better if they knew better, right? And so I, I have to now for myself and get myself the resources that I need. I'm an adult now. So I get to go get myself the resources that I need so I can do better in my life. Mm -hmm. and, and when we find those resources and we start moving with them, you know, really utilizing the teachings that we've been exposed to or practicing the practices and making you know, especially from a feminine point of view, it may not be the same practice every day, but sitting down to practice every day, you know, there's, there's a fluidity as well as a, a structure within it that each person has their own balance with and, and needs to find in their own way. Yeah, absolutely.
Absolutely. Without judgment, without yeah. self, with that critical, self-critical voice that wants to pop up, you know, just with a place of going with the flow. And so that might mean one day that I do nothing. It might mean that I chill and, you know, watch movies and I do nothing. That might be for three days in a row if I can afford to do that right at the moment. Or if I can, it might mean that, you know what, for the entire month of July, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say no to every social engagement. And, and because I live in Atlanta, and so there's a lot of people coming right back around to doing stuff, right? And so I might say no to every social engagement because I feel like I need to focus on myself or it might look like, no, in fact, I'm gonna go out to every social engagement because I've been too focused on myself and I need to find some harmony and balance to that. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just being a beautiful collaborator with your heart and your mind to collaborate, to create a platform that you call your life and it's a platform that you actually wanna stand on versus you know, be pushed off. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some people, um, you know, walk walking around in lives that somebody else has created for and somebody else has dreamed for them. It would totally feel relieving to be pushed off those platforms versus yeah. a platform that you've created yourself consciously, created yourself as somebody who believes they are worthy to stand on that platform and then actually standing on it is, is a, a liberating action that, that really does you know, you've you mentioned a couple times like there aren't really words to describe it, and and it's it's true. Like there there is this space of being embodied in connection with that knowing, the perfection of of everything, and and that everything's here to serve us, and everything is here for our benefit, and and a connection with that. And I can feel it in my body right now as I'm I'm saying this, but to convey to convey that is a is a, is a, uh, a challenge to convey it with words is challenging i think <laughs> uh you know and energy transmission is a much much simpler way of of passing that around yeah. i think um i'm curious you know you spent some some time in india and and you speak in the in your chapter in the ignite female change makers book about how that brought you to your knees i can i can only imagine you must have had some really interesting experiences there i'm curious to hear about your understanding of karma having having gone to india and studied there for some time oh that's an interesting question um yeah well you know karma is an exact science that is my opinion of it it is an exact science of cause and effect and karma is not a punishment it is not a judgment. It is the knowing that if I am creating an energy and a frequency into the world, and whether that's one of fear or anger or jealousy or hatred or joy or love or peace, um, that that is what will be experienced by me as a way as the effect of the cause. The Eastern philosophy says that the karma that we create or we, the karma that we experience in our current lifetime is the karma that we created in our last life. Mm. 
And so, for example, if we, um, let's say in our last life, we were a very dominating boss and we were constantly, um, you know, uh, not allowing people to take breaks or really we're pushing our people to work really hard and really we're in our ego and not having compassion uh, for people that worked with us and for us then in this life there is the, the the very high probability that you will feel the effect of that cause and so you mm. might then have the boss that is in that way or it might show up with some other relationship in your life um, where you have to learn oh this is what it feels like to be on the other side of that coin mm. okay now I'm understanding what this feels like and then you learn the lesson and then that particular lesson you're done with but if you don't learn the lesson, well, then I guess you're going to take it to your next life as well. Because karma is truly, it's not a punishment. It's an opportunity for us to learn and grow. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and I can see that as an opportunity for us to, you know, to exercise and understand compassion in a different way. Maybe, maybe in this lifetime, we don't have the you know, the personal sort of experience of having, of having been the perpetrator of whatever it is that we maybe have felt victim to or, or experienced in our life that was less than pleasant. But when we come to a place of compassion for the person, for ourselves, then we're, we're bringing that, like that divine love, that divine connection to not only ourselves, but also to our, let's, let's say our past selves or the representative of our past selves that's, that's done the, the perpetrating for this experience. And, and that allows us to bring compassion to that place where our, our soul was previously tight, tight and in, in conflict around it. And how beautiful is that? to get yes. to exercise compassion in that way. Yes, and that was a big learning for me, right? It was a big learning for me that I, all of the things that I believed I was a victim of in this lifetime, that there was a very real probability that I had been the perpetrator in another lifetime. Mm. of similar behaviors of similar behaviors yeah it was a really big one part of the part of the reason india brought me to my knees was the recognition of that mm. Mm. yeah it's big it's big and uh, i remember recently reading uh, part of a, a buddhist scripture which is a part of my my practice that spoke about you know if we're hit by a stick do we blame the stick or do we blame the person who hit us with the stick and and most people would say oh it doesn't make any sense to blame the stick <laughs> doesn't make any sense at all the stick isn't the one who was moving that arm you know it was the arm attached to the being that hit me and and the the meditation around this teaching is to take it one step further and go that being was acting from their karma and their culture 
and and so they were just as helpless in that movement of violence as the stick was in that in that case and and we can see you know this is playing out in a big way in in the US right now where people are really seeking um, res resolve they're seeking you know personal resolve but they're also seeking resolution um, to to those patterns of violence and i i really think that unless we are looking at whole culture solutions that also honor the individual individuals need for expression of their emotions it's like oh it's whole system change plus people feeling their emotions if we could do both of those you know simultaneously or it, not simultaneously but like in the next period of time we'll see a lot a lot of things change and a lot of things shift yeah mm. Mm. Yeah, the U.S. is a certainly an interesting place to be at the moment, and um, yeah, we just, I know for me, I have to choose uh, to remember that even if it doesn't make sense, there is a perfect unfolding of how it is happening. Mm. And um, all I want to do and choose to do is understand my own patterns, understand my own programming, and then understand how to live more in my heart mm. as a force of good and a force of love. And that's an energetic force of good and love. Um, and spread that into my pocket of the world. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you bring, you know, joy and upliftment to your corner of the world. When I do that, I bring joy and upliftment to my corner of the world. When people who are listening do that in their worlds and their families, they're bringing that upliftment and joy to their parts of the world. And so really right. that, you know, that ongoing practice from all of us, is what will create that change and is what we're already seeing is shifting, is shifting the way that right. we're being responded to, is shifting the mass awareness of some of the challenges that the world has experienced, is shifting our perception of how we're all connected, the things that really work to get us unwrapped from stress, stress structures, you know, the things that really work to find ourselves more peaceful and more loving in the world. Those things tend to be pretty universal um, and, and have been passed down through ancient lineages of many, many different cultures of the world um, and have a very common similarity, which is like, come back to the breath, come back to sacred sound, come back to song, come back to dance, come back to love and forgiveness. You know, we all love, we all have the capacity for, for, for forgiveness. And when we can be in that individually, we sometimes it doesn't feel like it's helping the collective but every every smile on your face that comes from that place that we've talked about that really sweet place of knowing that everything's beautiful and unfolding exactly as it needs to be every smile or every warm heart that comes from that place impacts the you know the continuing of peaceful protests the continuing of shifting changes the continuing of how we show up in our lives and how those children are raised 
you know, all of that has impact on, on what the future will hold. And it's, it's really beautiful to be connecting with you and connecting with the people who will be listening and the, the people who have been on this podcast, because I can see how many of us there are. There really are so many people who are on this path, who are standing up for courageously living that love and that light. And, and it's very, very heartening, very inspiring, I feel. And I'm so honored to, to get to share with you today and, and hear your words on it too. Yeah. Really oh, thank you so much. It's been a joy. It's been a joy to be here. And I, and I absolutely, absolutely concur with you. The, the collective consciousness is awakening. There's more love than not in the world. Um, this uh, global epidemic has, has allowed us to really uh, support each other. I've seen neighbors doing things for neighbors that they haven't done. In fact, in my building, I know more of my neighbors now than I did, and I've lived here for five years. I mean, there's just mm -hmm. so much more um, love and hope in the world than there, than there isn't, and I am truly, truly grateful for that. And thank you so much for having me. It's really been my joy and pleasure to be on, mm -hmm. on with you. Yeah, it's, it's been really, really wonderful. I'm so grateful. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, you know, just in this last couple of minutes that we have together, if there is, if people have really enjoyed this conversation and they're curious about getting to know you more, what's the best place for them to, to show up and, and connect with you? Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, I, both my website and my Instagram account, uh, my business name is Awaken Ananda, A-N-A-N-D-A. And ananda is a Sanskrit word for um, your highest potential and ultimate bliss. Mm. So the business is Awaken Ananda. So I'm on Instagram under that name, Awaken Ananda, or my website is awakenananda.com. Um, and those are probably the best ways to get a hold of me. And I'm happy to answer any questions. You know, if you have questions about anything that I said on this podcast or, or anything at all, just reach out and say hello. Um, yeah, but those are really the best ways to get a hold of me. And I am excited to be connected to your audience. Thank you for having me, really. Oh, you're welcome. It's, it's been a pleasure and uh, like beautiful moments of goosebumps and connection and, yeah. and really feeling, feeling that deep truth. It's so beautiful to be reminded. Uh, it's not, not just me and not just you and not just the people listening who, who understand that, but many, many, many of us. And I think that's really important to remember in this time that there really are many, many, many of us who, who understand that deeper truth and who are actively aligning their lives with it on a daily basis. It's super beautiful. It is. It is beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Priya. I really appreciate it. Um, I'll be in touch with you via email around what our next steps are on, on the podcast and sharing. And uh, if you have any other questions for me, I'm happy to answer them now. Otherwise, I'll let you go. No, thank you so much. I really, I really, this was really fun. Um, and I hope, I hope we answered some questions uh, in a way that will be beneficial and helpful for people. So thank you. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Lots of love. Okay. Bye. Bye.
Well, that was a really wonderful podcast, guys. I hope you really enjoyed it. Remember, if you felt inspired to connect with Priya, please connect with her at her website. The information and her website and Instagram is in the show notes. And if you have not already, she mentioned the fact that there's sometimes feels like there's not much you can do when there's three kids screaming in the car with you. If you are a mama and you are in that position, please make sure you head over to bulletproofmoms.com. There is a written version as well as a video webinar that will walk you through how to deal with that moment when you feel so overwhelmed, like you're going to rage quit or rage scream at your children and a really powerful technique that you can learn in less than five minutes and implement in less than 30 seconds when you are feeling really, really stressed with your kids. So I highly encourage you to head over to bulletproofmoms.com and get in that. Remember, if you love the podcast, there's so much more on our website bulletproofmoms.com and we would so appreciate that you subscribe share our podcast with your friends and give us a five-star rating on itunes or wherever you're viewing this as it helps us reach more people even if i've tried to do this in the past and it's been unsuccessful or i've given up and i felt like i could never change i can completely change follow your breath Contract those intrinsic muscles as you follow your breath and you bring that breath all the way up to that pineal gland. And you hold your breath. One of the most valuable concepts that I personally learned is that in order to reach the level of success, self confidence, and prosperity, you have to bring life. Yes, drain, wash, yourself. See, either way it goes, you're going to be brain But the question is, who's doing the brainwashing? Hey guys, uh, thank you so much for being on that journey with me. It's been a work of love to create such a journey. And I invite you to come and be part of the tribe, come be part of the experience, and get your full access pass so that you can see all of the things that are being created, experience all of the things that are being created. This is literally just a demo and just a toe in the ice of what is available in terms of audio and content that is highly programmable into your subconscious in your highest, highest possibility. And so I thoroughly encourage you, if you are into personal development, if you watch this thing all the way to the end, you're, there's clearly something here for you. And I wanna have you as part of the so I love you have a beautiful 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 day and I'll see you on the other side in the tribe sugar addiction and addiction in general and she filled me with this beautiful knowledge and power that I always knew is inside me but just needed I think a little bit of coaxing to come out I can actually tell that there's been a big shift and it's not just superficial it's on a fundamental level, um, my thought processes are different and that's such a beautiful gift because I've been working really hard to get rid of this sugar addiction as I'm sure a lot of people are and you know I lost a ton of weight and then I hit that plateau and there's that one thing that's super hard to beat and thanks to Elena I think I definitely have it. This time I'll beat the addiction to sugar. I'm on a big mission to end family trauma in this generation and so I'm working with conscious moms 
to create a powerful change where we can become bulletproof, where we have no triggers, where our children cannot touch us, no matter what they throw at us, so that we can be the kind of moms that we needed and the kind of moms that we want to be for this new generation so that we can end rape, we can end trauma, we can end neglect, we can end sexual shame, we can end consumerism, we can end screen addiction, we can end all of these things by how we choose to parent and how we show up in the world. So I invite you to be here on this journey with me and I'm looking forward to seeing you on the other side. So get your name and email in that box and join me on this journey. It's going to be an incredible seven days where you are guided every day to understand how to create better habits, how to not give up, and how to implement the 60-second hack to rewire your brain so that you know that no matter what's happening, you'll come back to a loving place fast. Love you. I'll see you on the other side. So that you look at your past and your life and you already see all of the places where you have integrated this change and had been previously unaware of it. Thank you so much for being here today with me. And you've done great work today, not only for yourself, but for our collective consciousness. I'll see you here tomorrow. Have a beautiful, beautiful day.